Time now to cross to the UK and catch up with Martin Gilliam, a rugby commentator out of the UK. G'day, Martin. How are you? I'm not so bad, actually. It's all happening at this end with uh, with Eddie Jones and England failing miserably. Well, this, I mean, it's, it's got to be said, uh, Martin, uh, you know, from a New Zealand rugby point of view, I don't think there is anything better than uh, an England team losing with an Australian in charge. Well, apart from the fact, I do... I do rather feel that maybe it wasn't just um, New Zealand perhaps being halfway up the steps to their uh, jumbo jet back to Auckland last week, that maybe there was a great conspiracy going, that maybe the All Blacks and Ian Foster and his mates thought that keeping Eddie Jones in a job might be the best chance of New Zealand winning the World Cup next year, which is why they utterly imploded or apparently imploded in the last 10 minutes just over a week ago. But um, that, of course, is entirely a conspiracy theory, which I'm very happy to peddle. Um, <laughs> but, but if, I mean, if we look back on it, there were two bright spots for England during uh, the Autumn Nation series, you know, the four test matches they played over the course of the last four weekends. One was the last 10 minutes against the All Blacks, and the other was, a decent 80-minute performance against a very under-par Japan uh, the previous week. But, you know, this is an England side that won one test match in four weekends at home. And it's um, for, a, for a coach who has said more than once that he wants to make England the best and is committed to doing that. Well, I mean, it's quite risible. What's the? Uh, I've seen Sir Clive Woodward saying, you know, basically, if he, if they don't beat Scotland in the Calcutta Cup, um, that they, you know, they should just pull the pull the pin and and sack Eddie Jones. Is is that basically the feeling amongst England rugby fans and England media over there? No, I think that the feeling now is that he shouldn't even get to the Calcutta Cup. I I do think that if Eddie Jones gets beyond Christmas, then he will be there for the duration. But let me give you a, a sense. I mean, a headline that is online that you better find yourselves. Now, if you look for it on the Times, um, a story published in the last hour or so, this is on the website, Jones' future as England coach hanging in balance. Now, uh, that's the first time we've seen headlines like that. The one thing that has been consistent um, throughout the course of you know the last seven years since Eddie Jones took the job, and there have been times of trouble before, is that he has had the complete and absolute support of the men to whom he reports to. Now, Bill Sweeney, the chief executive of uh, the Rugby Football Union, issued a statement yesterday which acknowledged that results are not up to scratch, you know, no great headline there. Also, that there will be a panel reviewing the performance over the Autumn Nation series. And again, nothing unique in that, that tends to be the line that's peddled whenever England performed poorly. But I think an important issue here is, and, and, and this is where the politics of, of rugby and the politics of being in a job like that, I think, come into play, is that last week Bill Sweeney was dragged in front of a panel of MPs at, um, in Parliament in Whitehall in Westminster uh, and this was over the, the collapse of two two of our premiership clubs, Wasps mm. um, and Worcester. And 
Sweeney was accused by this panel of MPs who may or may not have been grandstanding in the, the classic fashion of MPs. He was accused of being asleep at the job and was asked, should you be considering your position? So Sweeney himself, going into this weekend, was feeling, I think, pretty fragile in his job. And now the failure of, of England this weekend and Jones' apparently quite arrogant attitude, he may well have um, said, I acknowledge and accept all responsibility. But that sounds rather like a platitude when virtually in the same breath he tells the media who are gathering, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Um, now, I think with all this stuff having gone on in, in the background, Sweeney has an opportunity here to make a populist decision here. And the atmosphere at uh, Twickenham, and I've been there for the last four weekends, um, apart from that 10-minute period when England came back against the All Blacks, it has been, it's been like a morgue. And people were walking out of Twickenham five minutes before the end on Saturday night. Now, that's the behaviour of a football crowd who have finally run out of patience with their manager. England were booed off the pitch. Now, England rugby fans are as one-eyed as any rugby fan. And one thing that continues to sort of sometimes bewilder me is when results are not going well, that England fans keep on flocking in paying huge numbers to go and watch their team. And it's not only the price of tickets, it's getting there. It's getting home. It's staying overnight. It's eating at the ground. Going to watch England play is an expensive business. And finally, I think over the course of the last four weeks, England fans have looked at it and thought, hey, I'm not sure we want to come back. And... I think Bill Sweeney, with that personal pressure, these feelings because of the grilling that he got by MPs last week, has been given almost a platform now from which to be seen to make a positive decision. And it means for the first time, there is, I think, a real chance that Eddie Jones will not be in the job by Christmas. I'm not saying he won't be, but I'm saying that there's a lot of things going on which mean it is now a very serious possibility. The question begs then, if not Eddie Jones, who? I know there's been a lot of talk over this part uh, of the world that Warren Gatlin could get a release from the Chiefs uh, to go and coach Wales and replace Wayne Pivak, but it wasn't that long ago there was talk about Gatlin going to England after the Lions. I mean, is he an option, or do you think Scott Robertson is the option, or is there someone else uh, in the UK that they might look to? Well, I mean, let's look here. Warren Gatlin has always said that, you know, you would feel that he was um, turning his back, not particularly on New Zealand, but rather more Wales if he went to England. And um, frankly, if he went to take over England, he would be facing Wales uh, in the Six Nations in one of those five games that all the sides in Europe, seriously competitive games that they have remaining now before they get to the World Cup. So Gatlin, I think, would be an obvious fit, but there is that big question mark, would he turn his back on Wales, who he still feels a strong bond with. Scott Robertson, 
My sense with Scott Robertson, and there was a quote that yes, he would be interested in um, in coming to work for England, but it would be very much second in his mind behind the All Blacks. And um, you perhaps can judge better than I. Maybe in his mind, um, he will perhaps feel that uh, New Zealand is where his priority is, and he might wish to wait another few months, maybe another 12 months before that job comes. Steve Borthwick is the most obvious um, English option between you and me. My heart would sink. Um, He's done a superb job at Leicester, or at least did last season, taking them from nowhere to the Premiership title. Things haven't gone as well this season, but I feel they need a bit of international now. A name that has been floated by a couple of people over the course of the last 24 hours is another New Zealander, Wayne Smith. Mm. Um, and again, when we think about where England rugby are now, less than 12 months to World Cup, well, who turned the Black Ferns around in a matter of months? Wayne Smith. And Wayne Smith is somebody who has always been respected in this part of the world. So, so maybe Wayne Smith is an option if maybe he's listening. Um, there's, he's certainly got one or two, one or two fans here. Um, Ronan Agaris, another name has been mentioned, currently at uh, La Rochelle in France. Um, had a brilliant time last season with La Rochelle, took them to the European title. He's been seen maybe Scott Robertson, and you'd know yourself that mm. those two work together in in, um, in Canterbury with the Crusaders. So, so there, there are options. There is no doubt there are options. Quite whether all those people are interested. Um, they're all affordable because let's face it, England uh, rugby has got deeper pockets than um, than any of the uh, the potential nations. And there are some big names I think lining up who would who would take the job. But let's see, let's see. And I and I, I do work. They're talking about a fortnight over which they're going to have this panel and discuss the future of Eddie Jones. I do rather think that maybe during those two weeks there may be some feelers being put out elsewhere as well. Yeah, I just, that actually just reminded me of another story that I, I read about a year or so, 18 months ago, that you might have more on, given that your South African connections, but Rassi Erasmus doesn't currently have a head coaching job. Would he be a fit? <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, do you know, I mean, I've had my runs in in the past with Rassi Erasmus, and we're talking two decades ago. Um, He is as mad as a bag of spiders. And he, from what I understand, there are serious problems for Rassi off the pitch. Um, You know, I think that there are one or two things going on away from rugby, which, um, which all are a sort of matter of rumour and speculation, but um, I, I, and he's always been a very emotional man, and I don't, um, I don't always think at the moment that he's necessary in the best place. Um, but I firmly believe um, that his achievement in winning the World Cup with South Africa in 2019, when you consider the unique challenges that uh, South Africa faced. Um, with the not-so-distant history, was the single greatest achievement in rugby in coaching. Um, A unique achievement. And he is clearly a totemic figure among South African players, and we saw that performance against England at the weekend. 
And he may not have been there, but his presence was felt at Twickenham. And he may well be as mad as a bag of spiders, but he is a hugely inspirational and brilliant figure. But he ain't a fit for England. <laughs> okay, okay. I just had to put that out there. Had to put that out there, Martin. What, what about then? I, I look at the World Cup draw, and you've got Ireland, South Africa, France, and New Zealand all on one side of it. So only one of those teams is going to make the final. Um, on that front, you would have to say that things actually look all right for England. You just got to get past Wales and Aussie on your side, and you're pretty much there. Um, so have you got the players? Is this just down to has Eddie Jones lost the dressing room to use a football term? I think he has. Um, I mean, I haven't heard them, but I hear that other people are hearing there's a fair degree of disquiet. There have been one or two things in the newspapers. Um, I, I, I don't think he has as much support as he might do, certainly not universally, within, within the dressing room. And you talk about that draw for the, uh, with the World Cup. I mean, it clearly is weighted on one half of the draw. And my... Um, my correspondent in this respect is is Gillingham Jr., my 21-year-old son, who's done it all for me. And he put together a little plan of the way he thought it was going to go. And he, he is still predicting a South Africa-New Zealand final, which is possible. Okay. Which is possible. Is, all right. And, um, and he's, my son is quite a wise man. Um, you know, obviously picked that up from his father. Um, so... But, but 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 you're right in terms of there is a far more comfortable um, half of the draw, and there is no doubt that the quarterfinals, in many respects, are going to be the highlight of this World Cup because, uh, in my view, there are four teams that that, that can win it, um, and your one, South Africa, are another, Ireland are another, and France. Um, but I, I started to see something from New Zealand, and, and, and I, I watched on television the game at Nelspruit, the, the first of the two Test matches in in South Africa, and I thought that was one of the most woeful All Blacks performances I've seen in my lifetime, to be honest. But I saw bits uh, a week ago Saturday at Twickenham. Um, which suggested to me this is a New Zealand side who are going to come right. Mm. And um, and I think that rugby's two greatest rivals, I do feel that... Uh, I mean, France, I just cannot, I cannot back France to go through six weeks of a World Cup without something going horribly wrong, um, <laughs> as wonderful as they are. Um, and I do just think that South Africa now, they have grown over the course of the the last month. They certainly have. Um, I mean, they've still got a place-kicking problem. I don't think they necessarily have a fly-half problem, but they have a place-kicking problem. And there are concerns, I think, about the well-being of Andre Pollard. So they have a, a place-kicking problem, but um, the, what we saw at the weekend may not have been spectacular, but we saw a thoroughly professional and very ruthless Springbok performance at, uh, at Twickenham. And I still feel that rugby's greatest rivals, and you know the two teams I'm talking about, I think there's a very fair chance that Gillingham Jr. is on the money. 
Yeah, all right. Well, Gillingham Jr. He's obviously he's backed the winner in uh, recent times with his Nottingham Forest team. So let's see if he can he can do it twice <laughs> in two years. Well, they are three from bottom. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Has he dragged you to many games? Have you have you been along to the city ground often? Um, I have been to the city ground once this season, um, but I um, I took out a membership at Manchester City, not because I have any great love for Manchester City, but I felt it was the only way I was going to get a ticket, and I went to um, Manchester City a few weeks ago and watched them beat Forest six nil. And forests were utterly feckless. Um, but 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 the, there is just a suggestion that things are starting to possibly come right at the city ground, um, and there is a slim chance that they will survive. I think still the odds against them, but um, one or two things have started to to look up. An old sort of league cup win at home against Tottenham, and then they sneak through a win against Crystal Palace and. You know, one, and of course there was this, the famous win at home to Liverpool. So, you know, things are starting to happen. Things are starting to happen. But, um, but yeah, there's still a bit of blind faith in that respect from, um, from Gillingham Jr. He's a far, I think, a far more pragmatic and objective judge of what's going to go on at the next World Cup than he is, I think, the, uh, the English Premier League at the moment. Good stuff, Martin. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Go well. It's a, uh, great to catch up with you, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? You too. Cheers, mate. Martin Gillingham there, out of the UK, English rugby commentator.